Hello, wonderful people. This is Jason English with Things About Things, simplifying concepts without sacrificing depth. Thanks for joining in. I want to start by thanking those of you who support this podcast by being a patron, whether it be $5 a month or $10 a month or whatever it is. Thank you so much. You are the reason that I can continue to pump these things out, even though I don't put them out as often as I would like to. I kind of do them in batches. Hopefully that will change. It's because of you that I can do this podcast, have the website, have the equipment. Uh, Thank you. For those of you that are yet to be patrons, maybe something to consider. Whether it be a dollar a month, five dollars a month, any little thing like that. And also... Uh, I mail you stuff, and so you can go to patreon.com slash things about things. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash things about things. You can check out the different tiers, different levels, and mail you mail you a lot of fun stuff, stickers, art prints, books, things like that. And there's also exclusive content for patrons. So thank you for those that are patrons. Maybe consider it if you're not. All right, well, I had a fantastic conversation with my friend, Josh Luker. We met a couple years ago, two, three, four years ago. I was speaking at an event, and he was playing music at an event, and we just kind of hit it off. He's a, he's a musician, but he's also a carpenter. And so we talked about carpentry. We talked about furniture making, um, in particular, making furniture out of wood, also some house housewares, house items, home goods out of wood. He makes amazing stuff out of wood. And so we sat down via Zoom and talked for like an hour or something like that about how to do that. Uh, I'm, I don't know how to do that. My experience with making things out of wood is I hold the tools and hand stuff to Kimberly when she makes the stuff. So she gets all the tools out and she has a plan, whether it be a table or renovating something in the house. She makes things out of wood, and I, I don't really know how to do it. I just kind of hold the stuff and do what she says. Josh is a professional furniture maker, and we sit down, and I just ask him a whole bunch of questions about what that is like, why he enjoys it so much. It really is kind of a lost art in our culture that seems to be making a comeback, and I'm so glad about that. So I hope you enjoy. If you're interested at all in learning how to make stuff out of wood, I think this will be a fun conversation to listen to and hopefully also helpful for you. Enjoy. I want to know, as a musician, why and how you got into crafting wood as an art form. Mm, yeah. 
I'm sort of putting words in your mouth. I don't even know if you've described yourself as a musician. That's just how I met you. Yeah. You know, well, you I, yeah, music. I would say I'm a musician. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't really know how those two necessarily correlate other than they're both like what well, I guess you could say like creative mm-hmm. can be um, but <clears throat> well I guess this is the intersection I back in college days um, I just went to a community college originally to uh, get a degree in live show production um, which had to do with doing uh, live audio so um if i wasn't going to play music i really enjoyed uh, sound reinforcement um and mixing audio for live shows and so on so um so i yeah went to college for that but uh it was kind of a bad choice of a degree because <laughs> <laughs> i uh went for for that purpose the live live audio but it was more focused on just uh theater <laughs> so uh okay. kind of became the gambit of everything so um part of that was uh set design um and a part of the the program you actually had to kind of work part-time in the theater program building sets so um and you had to do two semesters of it and so that introduced me to woodworking um which at the most basic you know yeah uh, like screwing plywood pieces together to build some set or something right right which mind you the sets were like awesome but um but yeah it's very much like construction like what a framer in the in that trade would do um but that introduced me to that and i really enjoyed it um so that kind of like yeah sparked my curiosity i guess um within that and then um, honestly, I think it just kind of transitioned more into like, I'm doing music full time, uh, when I was traveling on the road, um, in a, in a worship band, um, did that, um, I, that creative process kind of got tapped out. Right. So, um, creating, um, things out of wood was just another, uh, creative outlet, I, I guess, um, mm-hmm. I kind of like oh yeah, my friends have these tools. So cool. I can make like a small coffee table real quick and so on and so forth. And yeah. And so the curiosity mm-hmm. kind of kept building and the, and the desire to keep making more stuff uh, kept growing. So yeah, I guess that would be the best intersection point. Right. Well, I mean, when you said the thing about the, not the best choice of majors or something, I feel like that's 75% of people I know say that about their major. <laughs> so, but it, le- right. but it led you down the path, right? You, you, right. you wouldn't have been like, Hey, I kind of like building these things. This certainly wasn't why you chose the major. You're thinking about the perfect sound, not building that thing up there, right. but you liked it. Yeah. Uh, so you started with making things like little coffee tables. Did you, just figure it out for the little coffee tables did you do youtube did you like how, where did it start before you became the the official carpenter on staff of the company that you work for right like at some point you weren't probably proficient enough to be that person you were just slapping together a coffee table what how did you make a coffee table without knowledge of how to make a coffee table 
yeah. I mean, at the time, yeah, like the first few things that I was making, um, it was very generic. Uh, and almost kind of, you know, uh, common sense, right? It's like, okay, I, have, I need screws. Um, I guess I can use this wood glue, but I don't really trust wood glue because I every time I've used it on paper, <laughs> that, uh, it's never worked that great. So I don't really understand why this is here. Anyways, yeah, uh -huh. just common sense thing of just, okay, I'm going to grab some screws. I'm going to just, this needs to connect here. This needs to connect here or so on so forth. Um, but, but, um, with that though, it, I, I know for me, I am an, I'm really good at researching, which I unfortunately did not, uh, exhibit those things in college. I just, when I am really curious about something, I just dive in and try to figure it all out. Uh-huh. Uh, and so at that time, yeah, it was basically me looking at um, um, YouTube at the time was not as uh, deep within the DIY okay. stuff. So, but there were a few um, people, woodworkers that, you know, would share their knowledge on that stuff. So yeah. I would kind of research that. And then also there's woodworking magazines and they have a website and you read articles on that. And so a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of it was self-taught and honestly, most of it was like through just trial and error, um, at that time. Um, but yeah, doing, doing a lot of research on online and just kind of, yeah, looking at how things were built anyways, and just kind of going from there. And of course, through that, the, like the techniques, like I got, got better. It's like, Oh, wood glue is great. Actually. In fact, the wood actually breaks first before the glue does. I should use that more often. <laughs> Stuff like that. Wow. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I kind of, I just taught myself essentially. So then what? Like, uh, so you teach yourself, you don't just walk into a high-end shop and go, hey, so I'm self-taught. Can I be the lead carpenter now? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, look at this picture of this thing I made. Like, so what right. was, how did, how did that jump happen? Um, yeah, so I, as time went on, I kept just making um, different furniture pieces. That's where I was getting to, is just making furniture, um, just for fun and for myself. Um, but um and and for friends of course um mostly kind of like hey you pay for the materials and i'll just make it because i like making this stuff so <laughs> um but it, essentially it's like you as you you know you get better at the craft or an art form you develop your portfolio um which for me most of it was just instagram i yeah uh, and so um kind of fast forward to this job that I have right now. Um, I'm pretty sure the, the way I um, got this job was through Instagram because I actually uh, took a job on um, making a dining table and a coffee table. And um, posted the process through the stories on Instagram. Um, so showing all the details like this is why i'm making this and this 
does this, da da da. Yeah, yeah. Steps, um, I was watching those things. Right. Yeah. I still do. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, and that and it's fun for me to kind of show that process because that that's why I get pulled in, anyways, is because I want to yeah. know how it's done. Um, anyway, so yeah, I was doing that, and I'm pretty sure, and I this may not be correct, but I'm pretty sure the, my bosses at the time, uh, their names, Dan and Devin, um, and they own the company. Um, they were just watching it. Um, and we had met before. Um, so we were acquaintances. Um, but yeah, but they were following me and they were following my process, um, which was really detailed. And, um, yeah, so they, they can see, it's like, oh, well, he actually does know what he's talking about. He actually knows yeah. how to fix this issue. So, yeah, problems come up. How are you going to fix it? That's the biggest part of woodworking, mm-hmm. constantly problem solving. Um, okay. And so, um, yeah, so they got to see that and that whole process. And that kind of was my resume. Right. Um, That's amazing. And- and it just so happened that, uh, well, the year, uh, well, actually, right before COVID, um, they, um, yeah, they just reached out and said, hey, um, we're actually looking for a lead carpenter role full time. We'd love to have you. We think you're a great fit. And so they offered me a job. So, and honestly, in that industry, it really is, um, it's either you're doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah, you, you have to prove that you, you can do it, um, to have a degree really is kind of silly. Um, cause it doesn't actually mean unless anything. the, de- yeah, unless the degree helped you know how to do it. Right. And, uh, but not yeah. simply cause you have the degree. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And the, in your work showcases those, yeah. those um, right. So- There's probably somebody out there with the degree that doesn't really know how to make this stuff like that's got to exist like they figured out a way to graduate right and they don't know how to do the stuff and they're like but i should be the lead carpenter they're like you can't make this stuff right. <laughs> it's got to be there that's essential so yeah um but yeah that, that's just kind of how my story that's how i got there is essentially my work showed right my craftsmanship showed in my work and so uh, that's great well i'd love for you to maybe walk through I mean, from an audio perspective like you can't walk through showing it maybe walk through the process of how to do something basic uh but i want to know before you do that though you know th- that I, I don't remember the exact quote but michelangelo who made the david statue mm-hmm. there's some quote where he says something like every piece of stone has a sculpture inside of it and it's an artist's job to chip away at it until they find it or something which is poetically amazing but I kind of whenever I hear it I'm like that's crazy like that's not that's easy it's easy for one of the best artists in the history of humanity to say I you gave if you were to give me a stone I couldn't find that right so do you feel that way when you make like you have wood and you're like okay let's figure out what you want to be almost like you're personifying the 
the materials do you like okay what do you want to be is that a, is that part of the process <laughs> uh kind of i mean and so obviously we in the business world you know we just have clients they know what they so, <laughs> right you can't be like i know you ordered a dining room table but i wanted to be a footstool <laughs> so in that sense yeah um uh, it's it's definitely more so you just like you know what you need to do however mm-hmm. it, but that still kind of plays out in the making of the dining table right okay um, so for instance part of the process is um we have to take rough lumber mm-hmm. being like it is uh like we'll buy what's called eight quarter which just simply means two inches there's eight okay quarter. um eight well, quarter it seems like an unnecessary way to describe two inches just saying <laughs> right <laughs> um oh yeah there's plenty more so don't worry <laughs> um but within that um yeah so we buy this rough lumber and it's two inches thick or eight quarter and we need to mill it that's like mm-hmm. the first step of anything um we have to mill it to a uh, dimensional size meaning like that eight quarter actually needs to come down to an inch and a half okay and so you use a joiner and a planer those are two separate tools they kind of operate similarly but they have different functions um and basically all they do is they make the board flat and straight or just straight and true. Um, and so you have to start there. That's like the beginning of all projects essentially. I, and besides like having a plan, all the, like, you know, the design. <laughs> okay. But yeah. to make it like you, it's cheaper to buy rough lumber. So you buy rough lumber, but you can't use rough lumber. Mm-hmm you got to shape it already so you need to kind of visualize how that's going to work and sometimes like right now i'm making a 120 inch or 10 foot long dining table and so that means i have to we have to buy boards that can reach that length Mm. Uh, so which then also means when you go to mill it um because not all boards are flat and straight so that's milling it so for instance a lot of those boards um have a bow meaning like Mm -hmm. they look kind of like a rocker Um, Mm -hmm. so when you mill it the ends are going to go way thinner but not the middle just because that's how it works so you have to anticipate and visualize those things happening before you go cutting otherwise you're going to end up with not enough wood so yeah, so it's kind of that that same premise. So you got to visualize it first, and we're talking the most simplest parts of the project, <laughs> and that's kind of how you're doing the whole way through. You're having to think three steps ahead before you go and make your cut or do the action you need to do. With all different kinds of trees, I guess different kinds of wood depending on the project. Do you have right. a favorite or a couple of favorite kinds of wood you like to? use um yeah uh a lot of them are for different reasons um i really enjoy white oak um particularly um what's called rift sawn white oak and that's a particular cut um which so when they have a log 
Mm -hmm. The uh, the rings of the of the tree in a circle. Um, they lay it on a bed of the sawmill, and they um, what's called plain sawn is the first typical basic cut where they literally just slice it um, yeah. up all the way down. So you see those arches typically. Uh -huh. That's plain sawn, and then the uh, the other cut is rift sawn, which means the grain. If you were to look at the end grain, we'll say it's the grain is at an angle. Oh, the face of it looks straight. Wow. Um, and then the other cut would be quarter sawn, which the grain at the end grain, meaning at the end of the board, uh, the grain runs perfectly uh, perpendicular with the face or up and down. How about that? Yeah. Which then also looks very straight on the face. It's just straight lines. Um, and it's technically the most stable. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. I was going to ask all yeah. those cuts mainly because it expands and contracts uh, laterally or yeah along the face, right, right. evenly and with the least amount of movement. Um, it still moves, but it's just a little more stable. And riffs on obviously is within that range too. It's a little more mm -hmm. stable. Mm -hmm. Plain on typically cups um, either. Either way, so and it expands and contracts a lot more. So, uh, to say, yeah, those things to think about too when you're milling, um, and even visually, uh, depending on that's why I like white oak, it looks really great and all those cuts. Um, but also, uh, the grain in particular, if it's riffs on, it's just parallel lines running through, so it's really. It looks really pretty, um, and the color's really nice, um, stains well, and uh, and you can use it outside because uh, mm -hmm. it's a lot, it's very durable. So, so white oak's probably my favorite, but How about yeah. That? yeah. Oh, is it is am I echoing when I talk? No, do you hear an echo? Okay, uh, I, I've noticed white oak in like Lowe's Home Depot before, and I've noticed it's a little maybe a little bit more expensive than oak when it just says the word oak does that sound right uh i would be surprised if white oak was in the home or lowe's or home depot what you probably are saying is red oak okay. which is deeper um and excuse me and has a natural red hue to it um, sure but yeah white oak is very expensive right now oh, okay. because everyone yeah, wants it lumber yeah so uh, Red Oak, probably at Home Depot right now, is maybe 3 to $4 a board foot, give or take. I'm not sure. I haven't really checked. But mm -hmm. but White Oak right now is around $9 a board foot, at least here in Florida. Yeah. So, so this is all, for, for a lot of people listening that would be interested in making furniture, all that you've described so far would probably all be before they would even get their, their materials, right? <laughs> so, uh, and you're not necessarily the one doing that milling or are you? No, I, yeah, I'm, I'm part of all, the, like every process. So. Oh, cool. That's great. I'm, I'm like part of like the milling process is you can finally see the wood grain. So you can like, with a dining table, for instance, um, you don't want to just slam boards together. Yeah. Uh, ideally, well, even if more so if you're an artist, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that mindset, um, you want to look at your top as an art piece. So yeah. you're looking at how the wood grain connects 
um, as each board comes together, how they look and how it affects your eyes and where, where are your eyes drawn in particular. And so I'm not just milling them up and then throwing them together. I'm actually making sure that these cuts actually make sense mm -hmm. when we design together. Um, um, yeah. And so you have that whole uh, taste is is what it is and you gotta have taste <laughs> okay yeah it sounds about right with art <laughs> uh, yeah. uh when it comes to putting these things together because um you can it can be well built but if it's ugly looking mm -hmm. it's not gonna no one's gonna want it <laughs> so yeah yeah um, so yeah so that's kind of uh that's an important part too and that takes it just takes time and also like a refining of your preference. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's also part of it. Um, wow. Yeah. So you're, you're, you've got, you've got it milled. You feel like you have the look that you want for the top. They look good and that they are the same color because uh -huh. if you put stain on it. It doesn't matter. It's going to show through. Um, uh, so yeah, making sure everything looks good. Um, and yeah, triple checking measurements, right? Um, you got to make sure you have enough to, to do the job. Um, and so, yeah, you kind of go, go from once you pick the boards that you want to use, um, then yeah, you kind of, you lean more uh, uh, larger than what your final dimensions are. And as okay. you get closer to getting it put together, you can start trimming and down essentially. Like I tried to, we'll say a dining table is 60 inches wide. I try to make it 60 and a quarter at the, at the beginning, just because who knows down the road, literally near like the last step, something comes up, someone dings the edge, like, and you can't, fix it without with just sanding you literally have to cut that piece well you can afford that because well you left that quarter of an inch we'll say I mean, that's an extreme case but it is but always do you do you cut that even if it doesn't get dinged um no typically i i've it depends on like the the situation of course right like mm -hmm. sometimes yeah dimensions are strict and you need to follow those but um, with furniture in particular, you can kind of, it can be within, you know, that range sometimes, but sometimes it depends on the client, um, of course. So if they are really strict and they needed that, then you just need to be yeah. that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, sometimes, sometimes I just leave it and just let it be a little strong. Um, and honestly, most people... Um, don't mind having a little more bang for the buck, um, if you will. Uh -huh. So that kind of well, works out. I, I feel like the what I what I'm hearing through you know through my lens. I'm not a furniture maker or a carpenter at all. Kimberly's much more of that, but I do think artistically. Mm -hmm. And what I what I think I'm kind of hearing is when you use words like uh, or phrases or concept of like responding to it or seeing what will happen because in my mind if i didn't hear you say that i'm like what's so artistic about making a table when like a machine could make a table or 
or you, you go, you just like, well, there's one and there's another one and there's another one. Why would it be any different if you made 20 tables? Wouldn't it just be the same? Because you just, when I'm hearing you describe them as very obviously not the same. And that in my mind is, that's part of what art is, is another example would be, I know how to play maybe 10 chords on the guitar, but I simply memorized where to put my fingers. I'm not, I'm not doing an art form. (laughs) I'm like, so-and-so told me to do this. And then if I move them over like this, it makes this other noise, but I'm not creating art. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to put myself down when I'm saying that I'm just, you know, it's like, you could, you could just get some lumber, you could screw some stuff together and you could say, there's a table. And maybe you could argue that's not really art. I'm sure you could still make the argument that it is, but, but you're talking about responding to grain and color and it's kind of a an intangible or an abstract of why you would look at it and go, this seems like it belongs here. There's, it doesn't seem like there's an absolute rule. You could have a generic rule, like make sure the grains line up or, but there, it seems like it's gotta be more than that. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It, I mean, it's like uh, woodworking is similar to being a sculptor, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you are reacting to what the material is doing. Um, and yeah, and we have to do that all the time. Um, for instance, because wood, I mean, that is part of, if you're going to jump into woodworking, you have to understand that wood moves all wow. the time. So, um, so if you try to stop it, it's not going to respond well. It's going to okay. response. Um, it's actually going to destroy itself. Um, I learned that the hard way with my first coffee table. So exactly that. Like, I just like, my mind said, use screws, put it all together. The thing with wood is obviously within seasons, uh, for instance, when it's winter, wood shrinks because it dries up all the moisture. It's constantly equalizing is what's happening. Oh. So takes in moisture and then expels it. So um, so obviously in the winter, it's drier, so it shrinks a little bit. And then summer comes and expands a little bit. Um, and then all different types of wood expand and contract different rates, so on and so forth. Um, so if you build a table, like I built my coffee table, um, I took a bunch of boards, um, four inches wide, whatever, butted them up together, glued them together. And then I took that whole tabletop with a bunch of individual boards <laughs> and screwed them to the base of the coffee table. And if there are any woodworkers listening to it, they are already cringing because what happened within two years, um, the boards themselves split. Just not because I like hit it really hard or anything just literally sitting in my living room they eventually split apart and even the glue joints failed um and that's because i tried to take wood and make it not move um so the way to make high quality furniture is to work with the wood mm-hmm. in the way that it wants to 
to live and, and, and breathe and, and move. So instead of screwing tabletops down to the base, you actually clamp it to the base. Okay. So the clamps um, are not permanent. And so what happens is as the wood moves, the clamps move with the wood along the base of the dining table. So for anyone who has a dining table and they see that it's screwed, like the, the screws are in the, through the base up to the top and there's no room within the holes for those screws to move, you don't have a good quality dining table because it's not going to last very long. But wow, craft like a, a wood a woodworker or a good craftsman knows that that's going to happen, so they allow space for that to happen, and the top will move and shrink, um, or grow and shrink. Um, Man, there is such a lesson in that. Uh, like yeah. even if it's like with people. You know, right. like let them breathe and move and change. If you're gonna, they're gonna destroy themselves if you yeah, force yeah. them to be what they're not, right? Oh yeah. So all that to say, it's uh, yeah, it, you have to know the material, um, because it it won't work with you, um, or it, you just need to be able to respond correctly to when it does change and move and react. And I mean, even when I'm cutting wood, when I'm milling, like white oak in particular. Oak in general is uh, one of the more least stable woods, meaning that there's a lot of tension inside that piece of wood. And as soon as you cut it, like I'll cut, I don't know, 10 foot long board on a table saw and cutting it in half, we'll say that thing will, when I get to the very end, and we're talking like maybe two inches left of that board, that thing will actually pop apart. Wow. Even though I've already like, cut majority of it that last piece always just blows open um and it's just because there's so much tension in the fibers and so on and so forth but that is particular with oak so that's what's what? interesting do that why it's why is that a thing man is it the way that like well i guess you said like the fibers the way that they are because i guess the the tree didn't know it was going to become lumber right so well, yeah like, I mean, it's definitely more of the yeah it's the cell structure of the wood um like for instance for for example white oak is what you would call open grain so you can literally look at the grain and see there's like holes within oh, within it wow. um the walnut or cherry or mahogany those are closed grain wood so they like you don't see that it's actually pretty flat and there's very little or no texture at all. Um, so those are typically more stable because they are closed grain, if you will. Um, mind you, as I'm like saying these things, I'm still learning about sure. all these aspects. So I'm, I don't That's know. Any, Is that similar to when someone says a hardwood or a softwood? Or is that a different concept? Uh, it's a little different. Um, hardwood typically kind of goes with like uh um forget what the actual name is called but uh there's different levels of hardness if mm -hmm. you will uh, density um, uh -huh. oh yeah that's probably it less porous maybe uh not necessarily know. porous it's more so just like pine is considered a softwood soft yeah but it's also a closed grain wood so oh uh, okay yeah, so it just depends 
on the density, I guess density, you could say. Yeah. That may not be correct. Someone who knows. Yeah. More. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, but. Oh, man. Wait, tell, talk about staining. <laughs> staining? Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's probably the one thing that most woodworkers don't like. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> Only because we, well, I, I'm speaking as if I, you know, I'm speaking for all. Of Every the carpenter in the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I would say for me and a few other woodworkers that I know, we love the natural look of wood. And yeah. White oak looks beautiful. Um, if you're going for a light blonde, like a warm tone, and then maple is beautiful by itself because it's brighter. Um, but then like walnut is super dark already. Uh -huh. Anyways, so yeah, we like those those parts. Of Just let them be the color they will be. Yeah. But, yeah. But sometimes, obviously, if it's outside, that's the most extreme example. But even even beyond that. Things need to be treated so that they won't be as so as easily harmed, stained. Sure, right. Yeah. There's so a, how do you yeah. seal it without staining it? Yeah. So yeah, the to be clear, yeah, there is a difference between staining and, and generally like finishing. Finishing, that's the word, yeah. Yeah. But um, or at least that's just the process. I mean, there's there's a lot of names for it. Um, mm -hmm. but um, and staining would be considered finishing, right? But, um, uh, but you still put typically a finish on top of a stain. So that's oh, what okay. I'm saying. Um, uh -huh. With that said, um, yeah, finishing though, in general, yeah, you should do if you want the wood to to look to remain that, that way, uh, look wise, um, and also it kind of helps protect the wood, yeah. um, mainly for from stains and a glass of water or whatever right, right. Yeah, yeah. exactly um well i so within that round there's a lot of i mean that's a whole other world in fact actually finishing in and of itself is actually an art form um wow in fact it's there are people who um are dedicated to just finishing that's amazing it makes um, me think of baseball with like a relief pitcher, like the closer. It's mm -hmm. like there's there's probably companies that are big enough where it's like on that's their job, they're the finisher, right? Right. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. It's not as much here in the States, but I know like in Japan, for instance, um, like there are woodworking companies and they'll have people that are like they actually have spent their entire lives just doing that. They don't actually build anything, they just Wow. The woodworker makes it, and then they literally hand it off to this guy who's a master at this. Um, which, of course, like, and I guess you could say that happens here too, but it's more so of like, it's a very general, like, it's not a you know a trade. Uh -huh. um, um, but but yeah, there are people who um, who do that for a living and are like experts at it, and that's because it honestly is like. If you don't do that process well, it no matter how well you built it, it it's again, it's about the, the way it looks. Well, when I hear you say that, if it's not staining, because I've stained things, I see how that is a finish of some yeah. kind. Maybe some 
sealant or something after yeah. that. Yeah, but yeah. when I hear when I hear someone say finish, I yeah. think of in music when they go, oh, and then we send it off to get mastered. I'm like, I don't right. even know what that means. Right. <laughs> like the person just goes bling. It's and it's this, you know, like what what does it mean to finish a piece of furniture if you're not including yeah. the stain? Right. So finishing is just simply putting like a clear coat of uh, either like a varnish, okay, uh, an oil, or uh, polyurethane. Um, yeah. Those are those words are typically associated with finishing. Uh -huh. um, what we use typically, what we love to use are what, what is like a hand rubbed finish. Mm -hmm. um, of like spraying it on with an air gun or painting it on with a brush. We literally rub it on with our hands. Um, and we use what's called a hard wax oil. Yeah. Um, particular brand that we use is Osmo. Uh, for the most part, we use Osmo. Um, but um, yeah, so that is a hard wax oil, meaning like it's, uh, they use natural oils that you find, they're not like synthetic at all, mm -hmm. um, all natural. And basically you, there's hard wax uh, particles essentially that kind of float within the oil. And again, I'm probably, someone might like critique me on this. I don't know. The well, this is a chance. Uh What's the company? Osmo? Osmo, yeah. This is the chance, Osmo, if you want to, you know, sponsor, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe do an ad, because you're right. great. And Josh thinks you're great. Right. And uh, maybe you could, you know, sponsor an episode or something. Osmo, it's good. <laughs> it's great. Use it. <laughs> it's really great. It's easy to fix. Um, it's easy to put on. And it's all natural, so it's food safe. So you can eat off of it and not worry about anything. Um, but anyways, so we use that and it, what's nice about it is that like polyurethane, for instance, which is a yeah. common, and there's nothing wrong with it. Right. Um, right. We do use it sometimes. Um, but, uh, polyurethane has, uh, puts a film on top of the wood. So, uh, hard wax oil, though it penetrates the wood yeah. and the hard wax, uh, and I feel like poly sometimes gives something a yellowish tint to it. Yeah. And that's kind of the, so again, within the realm of finishing, that's a, that's a whole other art form. So for mm -hmm. instance, oil-based finishes leave a yellow uh, hue because that's just the natural character of oil. Um, mm -hmm. But water-based, you don't, you don't see that. It doesn't leave a yellow hue, but it does raise the grain, meaning like, uh, the grain actually soaks up the wood, so it actually kind of gets fat, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Basic term. Um, so, like, that's the other thing you got to keep in mind. Oil doesn't do that, but it leaves that color. So you have to use pigments if you want to counteract that, that yellowing. Um, but water really? I've never heard of somebody tinting poly. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, it, it can. I don't even know if that's, like... Yeah. It's just typically with oil based. Yeah, just to to like you know going in, it's going to have the yellowish, and if you don't want that, you make you figure out how to offset you it. Put like a white in it, and it helps kind of yeah. Use that. Does this does what does finishing in any way? Earlier, you talked about not hindering the wood from being able to move. Does finishing hinder the wood from being able to move? Uh. 
I would assume some could, but most of them move with the wood. Um, they're not that okay. strong to hold it typically, unless maybe it was, I don't know, if you were to use epoxy, maybe. Oh, sure. Yeah. Assuming you encapsulate it, then it's not, not going to move because it's. <laughs> right. But, yeah. <laughs> um, wood optional in that scenario. <laughs> right. So, um, but uh, yeah, for the most part, though, the difference is, though, this is what I will say is that, so for instance, if you're outside, if you're making a, a table for outside, yeah. what you will see is that like a film type finish, like polyurethane, Yeah. Um, you will see it fail more visibly. Um, but if you use a oil-based hard wax, like a hard wax oil type you won't, it'll still fail. And I, I'm using parentheses as fail as in like, you just, you let it sit out there and you don't uh, refinish it. Um, you, it won't be as visual. You won't see it as much because the difference is, is that the, the polyurethane will say that film is literally going to peel off. So you'll see uh -huh. it. Whereas the hard wax oil doesn't, peel if crack. it goes into the wood if it goes into the wood then i guess it would just look like aged wood once it failed right yeah you know? you'll see the wood yeah change color a little bit because the hard wax has like has come off or has you know gone away but yeah so that's kind of that is the difference too so um but uh and the sun is a great uh how you say crucible um yeah. So, yeah and water Right. Why do you love this stuff so much? Why do I like it a lot? Yeah. I don't know why I like it a lot. <laughs> um, I think, it, yeah, I don't know. I'm just drawn to it. Uh, I think it's, I think it's part of my personality. Um, I've, uh, I guess a little bit about me, I'm introverted. So it's definitely something that to make something kind of allows me to, you know, well, I guess be in my head. Um, but I know people who are not introverted and do this. Right. Um, so obviously I'm, I only say that to kind of give an idea of who I am, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think I just, it just makes sense to me. Um, it's something that I'm constantly learning and I think there's a, a deeper point to it that I'm drawn to, which is just you're creating something. Like I'm not just a woodworker. I also work with concrete too. Um, I do a lot of, or before I even did this job, I was a, um, a concrete fabricator. And in particular, we made concrete countertops. Yeah. Um, but that also like extended into furniture and also uh, fireplaces and uh, hood ranges and um, yeah, a lot of different things, um, but we're using concrete. Um, so it's not even wood, but, um, but I enjoyed making things out of that material. Um, mm -hmm. So I enjoyed that job in that aspect a lot. Um, and so, and even then I'm, the thing is I'm drawn to woodworking in particular is just mainly because it's, it's a very old craft that 
is kind of a dying art. Yeah. Uh, but it's not dying because no one knows it. Actually, a lot of people do. Um, in fact, the community of woodworkers is really great and is actually really big. Um, however, no one is, and my point is, is that no one is afraid to share their knowledge of it. Um, and then simply because they want to share that knowledge because not a lot of, uh, there's definitely not a lot of good uh, furniture uh, being made, uh, especially just in the, the world we live in, right? Just mass production and yeah. I kind of wish that, I kind of wish that the mass produced wasn't an, an option. I mean, yeah, I think, I think everyone would love that. Well, no, they, I, I, I think that you and I would like that, but I think right. the mass, the masses have spoken, and the, they right, do yeah. want that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which I think uh, popular I things mean, in general are that, like that, right? Yeah, uh, I do think that's, and that's a product of what you know, post-war, you know, yeah, every all that, and thinking more of a practical sense instead of a, is this is this work actually worth? doing in the first place versus like putting a price tag on it um yeah and i think that's i think that's essentially why i like woodworking too is that it is um it's a little bit more than just making a table like like what we were talking about before is like well there's all these tables but this one that i'm making in particular like is with my hands with my experience my approach to how to do this. That's yeah. the other fascinating thing about it is like my, for milling, to mill wood, I mill wood differently than what my, how my bosses do it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways to do the same, to get the same result. And um, different joints, I guess, too. When you put things together, you just choose a different joint of how they're going to connect. Uh, yeah, there's a utilitarian aspect to that, right? Like, this has to be like drawers, um, for instance. Yeah, huh? Boxes have to, like, ideally, would be like a dovetail joint that's typically the strongest joint in that scenario. But you can use box joints, you can use uh, dowels instead. You can, there's a lot of different ways to do it, though, and so, um. And they all same, kind of same, or, or sorry, they all serve the same purpose, um, but they're just different ways to to do the same function. And so, the my point is is that you furniture for me is I view it as an art form because I'm making this piece the way I make it. Yeah, um, so there's a signature touch to it, um, uh -huh. which can be said about really anything. Um, honestly like especially art um, especially art. but but even i'm thinking when you said that i'm thinking about cars for some reason right uh i see a car and you go that that has a look of a toyota to it and even though it looks nothing like the toyotas 30 years ago and they right. like evolved and changed somehow that's just straight up the way toyotas are and someone be like you know that table looks like a lucre <laughs> you know it's like it's gotta be i, I mean i have i have a, a couple tattoos that uh were actually among my first ever tattoos that there's a guy who lived in boone he's in new york now 
and uh, somebody saw the tattoo probably eight, nine, ten years after I got it, and went, "Did so and so do that?" Right. And I was like, "Yeah, how did you know that?" They were like, "Oh, it's just obviously his work." Right. <laughs> and I'm like, "It's a bird. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like it's a bird. I asked him to do a bird, and he did the bird." Yeah. It's like, no, no, this is that's his style. Right. Yeah, I guess that's the same thing with with anything that you're making. If someone really knew what they were talking about, as this tattoo person knew what they were talking about, they would say, oh, I see what I see the way that they did this and this and this. And that's that's straight up how Josh does it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's actually a lot of. um, There are actually a lot of furniture makers that people know, just not like knowingly. (laughs) <laughs> or at least uh not aware i should say yeah yeah like the live edge um yeah. tables for instance yeah. um a name that i guess not actually a lot of people would know but that style of furniture really blew up in america because of uh or some would say because of george nakashima who's this mm-hmm. japanese woodworker that um took uh, live edge or just slabs of of walnut in particular and would leave it alone for the most part but then add furniture parts to it so yeah. a bench that's a slab of wood but then the back is a spindle back yeah. normal legs and, and and the funny thing is, is like that argue that would probably that didn't catch on till like recently like now Live edge tables are everywhere. In fact, yeah. I saw one in Home Depot. You can make yeah. your own live edge table. That's yeah. That's when that's when the like uh, the super simple, amazing, artistic idea gets super duper popularized. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh but, man. Yeah. Oh, and to be clear, that that I was just <laughs> I was fact checking checking my okay. He's not. A, he's Jap. He's of Japanese descent, but he's American. But I see. Is. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. What do you like to make when it's not a client that commissions you guys to do it? Like if it was just you, and you were going to be like Michelangelo, you know? Yeah. What do you like? Yeah, I don't know yet. I I really like tables are are fun to make because they're a little. There's a little more um, freedom in that, but, um, yeah, I'm, I like making a lot of different furniture pieces. Um, I don't, I don't know which one would be my favorite, um, out of uh, them all. Um, cause yeah, if I didn't have a client, um, I, I don't know. I think I'd probably make like a console or like a, mm-hmm credenza maybe yeah yeah i think it's i think it's those pieces of furniture for some reason kind of allow a little bit more creative freedom didn't you make yourself one don't i remember that you made yourself a credenza uh yeah it, i guess it's more technical of a media console because <laughs> our okay. made for that but um yeah it's essentially the 21st century credenza <laughs> Um, yeah that thing rocks thanks man yeah that was that was fun um and that that one's 
pretty simple in its design um and, and intentionally it's a minimalistic style yeah right i love how you you felt the need to let me know it's a media console right, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like uh what do they call libraries now media centers right yeah. like, no it's a library come on <laughs> the computer room is yeah yeah wasn't an office it was a computer room right. <laughs> right. oh man do you ever do you ever make any wood pieces that are not classified as furniture? Um, trying to think. What is that? I mean, I don't even really yeah, know. Is I, there such a thing? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I've made things that are not technically furniture in general, right? Like I'm serving boards, um, charcuterie boards, if you will. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I actually recently made a spoon, um, just for fun. And, but it's like, a, it's not like a typical spoon. It's actually very, uh, weird as a, as your spoon part, but like the head of the spoon, but then the handle is like a very long curved, very thin tail. And that's oh. it. So it's like, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Um, that's cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. But also planter, planter stands and uh-huh. a lot of home based. Right. Places. So um, maybe not something that's like, I would like to get into more sculptural furniture. Mm-hmm. At least I've been drawn to that recently. Because um, those are, you really have to have a vision for those things. And mm-hmm. versus like, oh yeah, I'm going to make a styles and rails door and, uh, you know, typical shaker style look or right. Whatever. Yeah, there's a formula to that. But um right. The sculptural though, um, yeah, you gotta you really need to think ahead and you really need to anticipate your cuts and what they're gonna do and um yeah, what the end product is gonna be. And it yeah, and it has to still function somehow. Can't like with your spoon, it's like, well, that's cool and everything, but if the handle snaps the first time you do it, it's not good, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it can't just be like, no, but it yeah. looked cool. Right. Yeah. I think maybe that's that kind of also makes me think why I like woodworking too, is because of that challenge. At least in particular if you're making furniture. Um not all woodworkers make furniture. So, um, but, um, in my case, I think that's what I'm drawn to is the constant challenge and tension between form and function. Right. Um, yeah. Making something look beautiful, but still have function. Um, and yeah, and it actually not only accomplishes the function, but is designed well, uh, to function yeah to function well i think is also a a big deal um because there's a lot of a lot of stuff out there that's not designed well and it just frustrates me when i go to use the thing <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it works 10 percent um so i think that's also the the other side of that that i really enjoy well i mean that it's probably about money savings you know right. it's probably like why yeah. doesn't it function like it should well, it's because it was seven seventy nine dollars for that table, right? Right. And what you know, it, it, a human didn't make it. What do you want from us? You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I think that's that's also part of it. Is 
making it look good, but also allowing it to function well and um, above and beyond, if you will. So, will you go back into when you said that you're an introvert? Mm -hmm. Talk about what goes through your mind when you're making furniture. Because when I think of introvert, and I know that people aren't classified as either introvert or extrovert, of course, but you know, you you said the word introvert. <laughs> I'm thinking that there's a lot that goes on in your mind and that you get your energy from being within yourself. Um, does, does it help somehow to have a task that you, you almost can't think about other things and you have to just be single, like one-minded, almost like a form of, I, I think of almost like a form of meditation. If you you only think about one thing, is that, is that how you feel about that? Or why as an introvert do you like that? Why did you make those connections? You know? Yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah, I'm not exactly sure why I made those connections other than like, I guess to answer your particular question of what is going mm -hmm. on in my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it is like, I'm, I think obviously I'm, I'm, focused clearly on how to accomplish this or I'm problem solving. Um, but it's not like typically I, I think of problem solving as like almost like a stressful thing, but this is actually like a good stress. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so, um, though like, it, and it can be like, it's not even a big problem. It's just like, I need to cut this board smaller and that's it, that's problem solved. Um, but sometimes it's it's just a little bit more than that. And, sure. um, but it's also, I think, I don't have to, I just know that I'm working with a, an object and I'm, it's kind of like a, a one-sided relationship, if you will. <laughs> And I guess I'm drawn to that because then I don't like the only thing that I'm going to be disappointed is with uh, myself because uh -huh. I almost kind of know better that if I do this to this piece, I know what's going to happen for the most part. So I know better uh, if it doesn't work out typically, sometimes I don't and you just learn and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think I'm drawn to it as an introvert because it's, um, you have to deal with clients still. Um, but it's almost kind of like a medium to deal with clients. Like you're yeah. dealing with them directly, uh, in, in a normal conversation. I am communicating with them through my work. Mm -hmm. Um, how, if you were to, you know, expand that a little bit more. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think it has to do a little bit with like, I just get a lot more energy out of uh, seeing something come together um, from the start to the finish. Wow. And, like I'm not good at delegating, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have like this, and this is like, this is not even just with woodworking. This is just like, I'm fixing my truck and I have someone that can help me I'm just going to do it myself. Like, <laughs> okay, right. 
Um, and I don't know if that's because I just don't trust people to do it as, as well as I think I can do it. And more, more than not, uh, they probably could do it better than me, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that's part of it too. It's just, I like, I like, I have a vision. I, uh, I can see the whole picture and I can see all the details all at the same time. Does that make sense? So when I'm in yeah. my head, that's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing to answer. That's a long way to answer that is I'm seeing a whole picture and I'm seeing all the details that it takes to get to that. And that you, in my mind, you just connected back with being a musician. I, I actually think that that there are some musicians that maybe would just say, just tell me what notes to play and I'll play them. Mm-hmm. But then there are some that are like, no, I see what this thing's going to be. And I know all the details of it, like a composer or something. Right. Yeah. You know? I, would, I would argue that I'm definitely not as like, I'm a bassist, right. but I'm not as good as I ought to be. <laughs> if you were to look at my time on the bass, I should be really good. Or at least what most people would say is really, really good. But I have always spent more of my time creating a song versus just being a good bassist yeah i guess that it's that correlation i do i see that as well and so man and for years you had to you had to play the same handful of songs on bass too probably just like night after night these are the four songs these are the five songs and you're like well my brain knows exactly what to do here seems like you might could easily get in a rut with that yeah it uh yeah i think it's tough yes you that definitely can happen to me and that has happened to me but um it's also kind of that strange thing of like because i did the same thing over and over again i don't have to think about it anymore so i can actually think about other things (laughs) Uh uh, or a little bit um and so and i think woodworking is similar to that as well after Uh you've the craft just like a musician learns his craft um yeah a lot of those things become muscle memory um and almost just second nature to which then you can kind of think a little bit beyond that and so yeah then you can actually start creating the art if you know the utilitarian aspect of it exactly yeah like you don't even have to think about it now you can start being creative with it yeah um, at least that's yeah. how I- for me and so yeah and i don't think you can really i don't think you can really be creative you can't just skip the first part and be like i'm just gonna like read me right now everything i know about woodworking is basically when i help kimberly when she makes things right so i don't really i don't really know i'm a good helper but i don't really know but if i were like i'm gonna make a creative table right now i don't have the basics of how to make a table which means it's not gonna work (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it'll fall literally fall down and uh forget about cracking two years from now it won't stand up you know and i'm of right. course i'm of course exaggerating i could i could go get like two by fours from lowe's and make something stand um uh but but uh but i don't really have those skills to be able to to be creative and i think that there is a resurgence in our culture of of uh the craft woodworking and plenty more where it's like no you know what it matters to me 
that they really know what they're doing, that they put that time into it, that they made it with their hands. And the chances statistically are very high that this piece is going to last a really long time, possibly even generationally. And um, that matters. It matters because of uh, supporting local artists. It matters because of not wasting materials and having things go in the landfill and climate change conversation. Like there's just so many things, right? And I, I'm so glad that there's a resurgence for it. I just kind of wish that that it would maybe be stronger statistically. Mm -hmm. I wish the resurgence wasn't just like a the cool people who know about it the thing. <laughs> like, you know, like IKEA is still going strong is my point, yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. And I think there's like, yeah, I, I, I agree. There's definitely a resurgence to people seeking quality yeah. um, items or thing within their own lives, like quality of life, um, yeah. I would say, um, which is awesome. Um, and strangely, like, in that same sense, like there is like, there's still a, a use for the, for the Ikea, right? Like, right. Because ultimately um, you have to, you have to be able to afford it anyways. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's um, part of what I really like about woodworking is that I have the opportunity to be a part of that. Um, that's what I enjoy about working with these guys is their um, the team we have is awesome. Um, they're not out to get the highest dollar. They're there to, to make quality pieces. Um, and if that means like, if that means that we have to like spend a little more time, then we make that clear to our client. Like, hey, like, we're almost done. <laughs> Just bear with us though. And we're going to get there. Like, thankfully we, we are like timely and punctual and everything, but, um, mm -hmm. but sometimes though, like it's not worth, um, you know, for the sake of just getting it out the door. Well, it like your doesn't... example of your first coffee table, I know you guys would never make one like that, but right. using that example, you're like, if it's going to take two more days than we told the client, we'd rather take two more days. This lasts them a hundred years instead right. of, well, we got to hit the deadline two years later. It, it cracks. You're right. gonna, you want it, you want it to last and you want to stand behind it. And for people to say, Oh, that was one of their pieces. And that's why it's lasting right. so long. And it, as opposed to just, well, we said we'd make a hundred of these a month. So we have to, you know, right. Then those yeah. don't last, you know? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, yeah, there are people out there that they just want to make a business. And so their goal is the bottom line. Yeah. Um, but thankfully I, I've run into like-minded uh, people that essentially kind of view their work beyond just the, the work itself. Like uh, again, back to like what makes this table different than all these other tables. Um, one thing that I've been reflecting on a lot is um, um, and it ties into a lot of my faith, um, mm -hmm. believing that, um, that I'm a 
co-creator with my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with that, that means that, or I believe that what I make actually is really important. Um, not to just me, but also to God. Um, and that's mainly because uh, he also creates. So therefore, he created me in his image. Those traits transcend in that way. But also, that's kind of, uh, I believe that's what we as human beings, as mankind, if you will, that's almost, that's essentially what separates us from animals, I would say is we create things and whether you are a woodworker or we'll say an accountant, you're still creating. And I'm not even talking about the, the work you do as your career. We as human beings, beings like create culture. Yeah. Um, so that naturally is what we do. Unfortunately, we have kind of like lean more towards uh, can I make money off of what I create versus yeah. is this work actually even worth creating in the first place? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And so we get to, we see how that plays out, um, which is a lot of um, exploitation and um, just taking advantage of people and um, the crooked salesman and so on and so forth. Like, um, or just even like, and even in the most simplest realm diminishes the quality of our goods and products and things that we use today on the day to day. And so, yeah, so I kind of like what, what's also going on in my head is thinking about this isn't just a dining table. This is a, a piece that's being used in someone's home that's bringing about community, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it can be used to uplift, encourage, or it can be used to destroy. Like, um, it's really hard for people to think of tables destroying things, but unfortunately, like, people in the past have used it to torture people with, uh, back in the Middle Ages, like, stuff like that, like, um, or whatever, any, anything bad you can think of in those moments. Or if you're only thinking about money, you don't think about community, you just think sell it. And then what what are the bricks? Well, they just buy another one or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And, but even then it's like, and then unfortunately that's also kind of like the, um, the byproduct, right. It's, it's like, it is that like, well, we're only going to have this for this trend. It is aesthetically pleasing. Mm. That's why we bought it. And so, which, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. However, um, it does kind of make the piece, to me, almost useless. Because it's like, well, just because it looks good and it's not being used, right? We're going back to the form and function. Like, uh-huh. um, then why, like, is it worth making? Um, and so... I don't know. It's kind of like a meta bigger. <laughs> yeah, it is. Hey, I have a but, question about, about from a business perspective, because I, I can, I, I see so much value in just making something that's going to last a really long time. You know, if, ideally that dining room table that you just made for somebody, they'll never have to buy another one ever. And uh, doesn't, 
that and i'm only i'm only asking this question based on money not on not on like the ideal way to live but financially doesn't that mean you don't have repeat customers because you did such a good job and doesn't that make it hard to have a successful business from a financial perspective yeah um and that yeah that makes complete sense in that that yeah that way of thinking of like making something that's almost irreplaceable so how do you get repeat customers um what's funny though is that when you make something that good they and it's put in contrast to the other things yeah 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 <laughs> that are in their house mm-hmm. um you realize real quickly like well yeah kind of back to what i'm saying like this was only aesthetically pleasing look how useless it is because <laughs> <laughs> Only as soon as I bump into it, the the veneer that's on there chips away. And oh look, I can't even fix it or finish it because I would have to replace the whole veneer, which is possible, but like we we make end tables sometimes out of solid wood, which is way stronger. It costs more, but it's more durable and you and a stained bowl black but you if you like 10 years from now decide i don't like that color you can refinish it and not change the piece at all so which is like yeah it is backwards business wise but you then realize like when it's in contrast to the other objects in your home um yeah it's it is night and day first of all oh yeah yeah Um, and not to mention like that's where the repeat comes from not from the same object but how they view their quality of life so then hopefully ideally right like it becomes oh wow (laughs) this chair that we bought made Mm -hmm. this craftsman is leagues beyond better than the chair right so now can you make us a table or a bed or a coffee table or whatever yeah ah yeah it just it stands out it doesn't fit so you have to adjust ideally, or at least that's how, that's why I think, but, um, but yeah, that would be like the, that's where the business lies. It's in and that. then probably word of mouth too, of not just them wanting a second or third or fourth piece of furniture, but somebody eats at their table and goes, this is really nice. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to just forgettable table, they go, right. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's also kind of just like realizing um, even even in the smaller things like uh, a serving board, um, I mean, I have one in our kitchen that I made, and then I have one that we got from Bed Bath and Beyond. Right, they're both made out of wood, and they're both fine. They're great, but mine like, has a particular finish on it that the other one doesn't have. And I can put it on there, and it would look great. But the point is, right. is that when I made this and then I sold it, it is right. still looking like it's brand new versus the other one. Interesting. And so, um, I think we're burning a lot of bridges for, uh, advertising for the podcast. I think Ikea's out, Bed yeah, Bath and Beyond's out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe as if anyone is interested. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, in, in doing it, like, Ikea doesn't care <laughs> about my podcast, but, uh, of course, yours is better than Bed Bath and Beyond. We all knew that. What's the what's the what was the magic though? 
like what made yours last just the way you finished it that would be the the difference maker um honestly it's just the quality of like it's obviously the quality of how we make it but it is this it is also the the material we use um okay yeah so probably a higher end wood it's not even necessarily that because honestly if you buy domestic wood uh for the most part that same company can get has access to that so okay but often they use exotic wood that's outside of the country. Um, like acacia wood is very common for a lot of big box stores to use. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually a great wood. Um, so that's my point. It's not necessarily the wood. However, it is the way that it is built and then also how it is finished. Um, and so typically, like, and we're talking about serving boards. Um, you can use like a mineral oil and that works great. And a lot of woodworkers here in the States use that and they're great woodworkers and they do that and it's still a quality job. Um, but for the most part, they're not going to do it. I mean, it's, it's the difference of like keeping uh, the quality control, right? That's what it, it boils down to. So uh, I don't know, it's kind of like beating a dead horse, I guess, but like, you know, uh, a local woodworker, I guess you can say, will dunk it in mineral oil more often than someone that's trying to get it out on the shelves or like a company that can, who wants to make a good quality product still. However, their margins are this, so they have to operate in that. Same thing with the local woodworker. They have to do that too. But out of their expense that they're willing to sacrifice and put in a little more effort, typically, because their name's on it. That's uh-huh. kind of basic in that explanation, but um, but if you're talking like furniture-wise or heirloom pieces, if if you will, mm-hmm. it's gonna be the um, it's gonna be the the build of it or the construction of it, but it's also gonna be the the taste and the design um, because I guess you can compare. A lot of big big box stores um, find what's trendy, mass produce it, and it can be built well, but it's not made to be, it's not built or created to last a lifetime. It's created for you to sell or replace it within five years. Yeah. That's a different mindset. And that's so heartbreaking to hear. It's so obvious, but it's like, man. Yeah, five years is nothing for a piece of furniture. It should <laughs> it shouldn't be at least. Right, yeah. You know, I mean, it is so well, so clearly. And, in today's world. and unfortunately, it's kind of like the. Well, I don't know. I kind of I don't. I'm not trying to like bash anything. It's yeah, yeah. Like a good, it's a good thing and a bad thing because it brings in more designs. It almost kind of refines the designs a little bit and. Um, and yeah, and it also reveals what's tried and true. Like, um, you honestly can never get tired of shaker style furniture, Uh shaker style cabinetry. Yeah. We got, we, for the first time in our 21 years of marriage, we finally, we got, um, we redid our kitchen and got kitchen cabinets put in the house that we bought, um, 
somebody 50 years ago did quote unquote custom cabinets and it was just plywood like mm-hmm. it was just plywood doors opening up to nothing there weren't any drawers or anything so just yeah. the word custom is is not the right word they just <laughs> so we ripped all we just ripped all that out and we we paid like a local company that that outsourced actual company that handmade the cabinets mm. and it's like a quaker style or sh- shaker shaker style sorry shaker style, uh, yeah. and uh oh my gosh yeah so good like right. i did not even know that cabinets could be good like in my whole life, it was like cabinets are just these little wooden things you open, you know, like, and now I'm like, oh, wow, this is really good. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. And then when you experience that, you can contrast it to all the other things that are not to that. And of course. Yeah. So how about this? Uh, any advice for someone that wants to start making furniture? um uh any advice there's a lot of advice i guess um and just which one is what to say i guess it's uh (laughs) honestly just i guess the advice i would say is be humble and be willing to explore um just the craft um um because i i do think they're i've run into some woodworkers that are a little they do get a little too into themselves um because it is an art form um sure so that kind of naturally that's kind of the bad thing about it but um yeah just to be humble seek out as much as you can um because it is it is nowadays it's definitely a uh, kind of a self-taught um trade um because woodworking used to be if you were going to be a woodworker you were typically a son of a woodworker right back in the day and you or you were an apprentice and you were under that master woodworker for years and you did majority of his work (laughs) Um, and so or you did a lot of sanding um which is always the bane of every yeah we didn't get into that one yet yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah that's yeah so um it takes a lot of uh learning and a lot of research and a lot of trial and error um so um, yeah, just to be patient with that and to be humble to and be willing to just ask questions. And honestly, if you're willing to ask questions to other woodworkers, they actually want to talk to you about it. Um, so um, seek it out. And uh, I guess the other practical or like really simple advice is uh, buy quality tools if you can when you get the chance if you can afford it get quality tools because they are uh they definitely increase your ability to make better things well there you go 
my friend Josh Luker. If you want to follow up at all and see some of the stuff that he has done, you can go to the website of the company that he works for. That is gritandgrainco.com. So that's G-R-I-T-A-N-D-G-R-A-I-N-C-O.com. Gritandgrainco.com. And you can also check out him individually. He does a lot of really fun stuff on Instagram where he does posts, but also in his stories, he does videos of every step of the process of when he makes something like a dining room table or something like that. He just does little short little video snippets explaining all that he does and the kind of wood that he's using and the tools that he's using and the technique and how he sands it. And it's really good. You can follow him on Instagram and it's at underscore Joshua underscore Luker underscore. And Luker is spelled L-U-K-E-R. So that's uh, Insta- his Instagram is at underscore Joshua underscore Luker underscore. So check out gritandgrainco.com and then follow Josh at underscore Joshua underscore Luker underscore. And of course, as always, you can go to thingsaboutthings.com for more things.